ESPN 690 and Action Sports Shacks presents Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau. We're going to have to show a little more patience than the year two pom-pom people. Casey Kurt. Yo! Hey. What are we doing, bro? Come on! And Aaron Schachter. I'm, I'm all in favor of these two showing their love and really celebrating their relationship. This is Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau, Casey Kurt, and Aaron Schachter on Jacksonville's home for ESPN Radio. ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back to Devoli's House of Cards. Brent Martineau along with Casey Kurtz here on a Tuesday. We come down to St. John's County each and every Tuesday, 3 p.m. until 6 p.m. Devoli's House of Cards. And uh, sometimes Casey, sometimes Aaron join as well. Uh, we've got our fantasy card breaks going on, too. How are we and, doing? Uh, I don't know. I didn't see. Uh, we didn't know. We didn't be, do well. The bowling must be uh, busy this week. I haven't seen, like, an email with yeah. the stats up. No, we, we didn't but do they well. Got, they got, like, a website they're building and everything. I mean, it's getting bigger and better. Yeah, we so lost for sure. You, you, we didn't do well? No. Yeah, we, we, had a, we had, like, an okay team. Like, at least we could fill our spots. And how this works, especially with the, the prism card break, you get 24 cards in that box. Yeah. And you got to create your team, and you need eight people on your team. So quarterback, running back, tight end, receiver, three flex, and a super flex. So we had two quarterbacks. So what did we have? We had uh, Burrow and Mac, or Burrow and Tua? Uh, we had Mac. We had Mac, okay, because I do two different ones. One I do with Ty. Um, it's a different price point. And those you get a lot more players because it's a 60-card box. Yeah. Um, and I think I had Tua and Burrow in that one. Uh, but even like that, like we have good players two weeks in a row and just did okay. So that's all right. We're not going to win every week, Casey, but we're going to play every week. Yeah, we need to. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm fiending, bro. We need our team this week. Like, who are the boys? Are they going to be any good? By the way, what a week it would be to get, like, a Khalil Herbert card. We got to make sure he's in there because oh, yeah. he ran for, like, a buck seventy-five for the True. Bears. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I need to know the team before 6 o'clock. So even if Davoli doesn't show up, just leave the money on the counter and get a box. <laughs> Okay, it definitely will do it. Uh, you got to get involved, by the way. I told you, this is fun. Like, if you like fantasy football, uh, that's one thing, right? If you like to put a little something on something, that's another part of this. If you like to collect cards, that's another part of this. So, and you can you do it weekly if you want. All you got to do is come down to the Bully's House of Cards for now. Sooner or later, there'll be a website that will make it even easier. But come down, visit the store here in St. John's County, and play against us and play against others and uh, win prizes. So that's fun. Uh, you can also call the shop here at Davoli's House of Cards, and uh, Mark and company will get you set up if you want to get in the fantasy card breaks each and every week. Uh, what happens is it shuts out on Thursday morning, right, Thursday afternoon. So yeah. you got to get in by Thursday. Uh, so, And you'll be closed this week probably because of the hurricane? Maybe? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, not sure yet. So uh, maybe get it in by tomorrow. Just See, then to we definitely sure. there might only be like three people in, Brent. We can do this. Well, we don't want three people in. We want the cash prize to be a little bigger. Oh, true. Yeah. So, well, come get in, people. <laughs> yeah, we want more people in. And then pick a good box, Brent. They got like yeah. 8,000 of them, so pick a good one. Get a little lucky. So anyway, that's the Voice House of Cards. Check it out. Uh, we'll keep telling you about it, too. But it's really, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a great, great idea and a twist on, on fantasy football. It's it's awesome um, to, to check it out. So uh, you can do that here at the Voice House of Cards. Hey, I, this major question, and, and it was really interesting, Justin Herbert, who played in the game, okay, that's one thing, but was still playing in the game in the fourth quarter of a blowout, even though he's dealing with these rip cartilage problems, 
And they pressed Brandon Staley about that in the postgame. Like, it was like seven straight questions about it. They should have. And now you bring up the Tua situation. And listen, every player is going to say, I can play. Every player. And you have to respect their opinion, especially leaders of football teams. We'll go all the way back to Ramsey got into it with Doug Marone because he wanted the challenge, and they didn't throw the challenge. And that set off like everything. Yes. Like that was the final deal. It wasn't necessarily Marone is what Ramsey said, oh, right, trade me. But that set off the fireworks, remember. Mm -hmm. So you have to respect your players. And I'm not saying give them what you want or what they want, but you have to acknowledge what they want, you know, and and handle that. So I understand. Tua problems like, hey, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I don't care what Tua said for his well-being. And, again, for the shield, for the NFL that preaches player safety, and I think they have done a really good job of player safety at least – focusing on it and some of the things that they do to take care of it. I do think it means something. But you can't say that and then watch a guy stumble back to the huddle, stumble back to the huddle after hitting the back of his head mm -hmm. and, and put him back in the game in that game. Because I can tell you, I've covered concussions enough to know that at a very novice level. I'm not an expert. But the second one, Casey, is the, the second one is the one. Like the second one, if you don't, if you don't get recovered from it, and you go out and get a second concussion because they didn't catch the first one or because you came back too soon, that is a damaging one and, and like, very damaging in some cases. Mm -hmm. So that is fact. And we know enough about concussions over the last decade that we've covered the story so much at the high school level, collegiate level, NFL level, that I know that. Like, that is a, a proven thing. And so that's all I think about when I see something like that. I'm like, don't put him back in the game, even if he feels right. Like, you can come back, too, off a concussion and be like, I mean, we've seen guys do it coming off the field. I have seen players look wobbly. They get to the sideline before a trainer can get them, and, and they go back in because the trainer didn't see it or nobody acknowledged it. Well, that's why they have the eye in the sky now, to, to help that cause in case somebody misses it on the sideline. Mm -hmm. And then you have to physically take the helmet away from a player. Like Paul Pazlesny, they had to take his helmet and hide it from him on the sideline one time. And and so, and by the way, they should. They should. Th these guys, you want them to live ha like healthy lives and have a life after football. Certainly. And, and so they play a violent game, and you should protect that. I could not believe that we saw Tua go in, and I don't buy for a second. It was a back. Like, we've seen people be wobbly, Casey. We've seen that scene before, mm -hmm. and that wasn't a back spasm. Didn't look like it. Did not look like it. Yeah, I think it's it's a crazy thing, like, if you're the coach and balancing that, but there is no balance when you have an injury. Like, that's, a, that's something that needs to get checked. I think that whatever's happening with the NFLPA, I know they, there was some investigation going on, whatever they find, but it's definitely something worth investigating because we've got cameras everywhere now. So you can see these things even if, you know, like to your point, somebody may miss it on the sidelines. But guess what? If you're watching the game on TV, you've seen it from the front, the above, the behind, every angle because they have it, and he's the quarterback, so they have the camera on him no matter what. So to your point, yeah, like that, that he shouldn't have been back in the game. It's irresponsible. It's, it's, yeah, it's extremely irresponsible for the player. And then on the flip side with Justin Herbert – I've said this a few times. Uh, I said on OT. I said on the pregame show. I'll say it again. I do not think Brandon Staley's a good coach. 
I think he's overvalued. I don't understand why he's still the coach of their team. So with that being said, I just think it was another very poor decision by a very poor coach in my mind. But I don't know why you would have him out there, especially when you're down all those points. And the only, the literal only thing that could happen was get him more hurt. Yet the deal with Herbert, by the way, is he said he wanted to be out there for his team. He wanted, it's like a tough guy thing, you know, like I don't want to quit on my team. I get it. I respect it. But there's not one person in that locker room that would say, I can't believe he wasn't in the game at the end. I was still out there. Exactly. They don't say that. Not when the guy's got an injury and he hardly played and he didn't know until, like, kickoff that he was going to play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, that's just – it's ridiculous. Like, you've got to be the adult in the situation, and you have plenty of them in the organization. Last I checked, I feel like there's 400 coaches yeah, on, on NFL teams. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. somebody make a decision and say, listen – you, I appreciate it. You're not quitting. You're actually helping. Like, you're helping you yourself and the team because we need you down the road. Instead, if Josh Allen pile drives you into the turf, when you're up 30 or down 38 to 10, you could be gone for the next month. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is just, it doesn't, they've got to step in. Like, I, I don't know. I do feel like the 201 was even more irresponsible because at least with Herbert out there, you could, like, run the ball, right? You can get it out of his hands. He's probably not going to make any, like, careless decisions in terms of, like, trying to jump for a first down or something, you know? Yeah, and again, a serious injury for Herbert, to your point, but, you know, it's not – you're not dealing with the brain or, like, the heart, like things that you have to have healthy for the rest of your life. In terms of Tua, where you're dealing with the brain and it impacts to your brain, will to your point you made already really mess up the rest of your life in a negative way. Yeah, I, listen, I relate this. Uh, I relate this to Jacksonville. Like if that happened to Trevor, right? Mm-hmm. And and you're in a big game. The Dolphins were in a big game. That was a big game. They were. So let's just say that this happens to Trevor one of these situations. In a blowout fashion, I'd be like, get him out of there. I think everybody in the stadium, everybody in the press box, everybody on their couch watching TV would be like, get him out of there. Like, no, the, the, the Herbert situation, I think it would, if you took a poll in L.A. and Chargers fans, 99% would have said, get him out of there. Like, the fans are smart enough to know. The Tua situation, I think sometimes fans, because they are so emotional, would be like, I don't care, just get him back in there. If we win the game, we win the game. Like, are Dolphins fans mad at this situation? Probably they won not. the game. No. Like, so that's that's a little different, but it doesn't matter. I don't care if you make the fans mad in this situation. I think of it more from, like, these people's, uh, these players, like, from a parent's standpoint, their wives, their kids. Like, I'm in, like, you have to make that decision for my son my husband, my dad, you know, mm-hmm. like that's your job, like to help make that decision. So when he comes home tonight and for the next 50 years, you know, things are all right. And we don't point back to this situation. And I know that sounds dramatic, but like Casey just said, man, we're talking about the head, the brain. Like that's, we know it's a serious thing. We have learned enough over the years. It's a serious thing. And yeah. so uh, I just couldn't, I just the, the irresponsible nature of both situations, one magnified, in my opinion. And uh, I don't know what the NFL is going to find. And now, Casey, isn't the story like on a short week that Tua might not play? And is it, it's because of the back? 
Yes, yeah, that's kind of the, the situation because they are playing uh, Thursday night that they're, uh, they are wearing, weighing that situation. So, yeah, there's a chance Tua doesn't play because of, of the, the so-called back injury. But, you know, I, I, I don't really know what to make of it, to be honest with you. It, to be honest, it feels like a cover-up. Like, it, it feels like, hey, we made a mistake, we're going to make it right type thing. Like, that's how I'm looking at it. He might seriously have a back problem, which, too, has had a lot of injuries. So, if it was true, okay, I'm not – obviously, not mad at it. But the way that they've presented the whole thing from what happened on the field to all of a sudden, oh, but now he can't play even though he went back in and played at the time, it doesn't fully add up. I don't get it, but it kind of just feels like a do what you have to do because you made the wrong decision once. Yeah, it, do, it does have the sense of whether they've talked to the NFL or not. It's like, okay, if it's a back injury, then uh, make sure it's a significant back injury to the point where he can't play on Thursday night. Right. Like, it does, It has the feel of it. Mm-hmm. I, and by the way, there's a Miami Dolphins organization that just went through, um, you know, a few things the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, more than a few. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's that's unfair to Mike McDaniel, new coach, but yeah, bottom line is they did go through a few things the last couple of years. They did. So I would do things even more right if I'm Miami, given that situation. Yeah, and I mean, uh, just to the football point of it, like, this isn't, for, for me, a Chase Daniel situation. I guess we are going to keep talking about him. Like, you got Teddy Two Gloves, right? Capable. True, true. So, you, I mean... I thought they were fine when Teddy went in the game. Like, I was like, okay, they can do, they'll be all right. Yeah, they'll be fine. This is the best duo, like, Teddy's ever thrown to. Again, right? And, you know, that's the thing with that team. You just got to put it in the vicinity of those two guys, and they're going to make plays. And you have a Tyreek Hill, who I should have pulled the sound, but I will later in the week, is very excited to play against Eli Apple. I don't know if you saw that. So <laughs> I saw the headline. I didn't see, hear the actual words. Yeah. But, but I did see, like, uh, what they were saying. All right. Uh, well, probably longer on that topic. I think it's a big topic, and you just hope. I, if the Jags get in that similar situation, I hope they handle it right. And I think they could handle it better than both those teams did. Yeah. And, and bigger than everything, I hope both those guys are all right. They're, they're good players. They're young players. They're, they're important to the league, important to their teams. Um, and so hopefully whatever it is, especially with Tua, uh, that, he, that he comes back. He's playing really good football. Uh, at the moment. So let's continue to go around the league and, and let's do our one line about the games, Casey. Uh, let's do it. Let's uh, let's start. I'm just going to go right down the list. Uh, Texans and the Bears, 23-20. to 20, Chicago gets it done. What's your takeaway from the game? Somebody, this is a long one. I know it's <laughs> supposed to be quick. Somebody that knows anything about coaching quarterbacks needs to be hired by the Chicago Bears as soon as possible. They are ruining fields like many people thought. Well, that's what uh, yeah, that's what I said, but just shorter. Good one. Way to yeah. condense what I said. Yeah. But it's the same point. Holy cow. Uh, He's not that bad, Brent. He cannot be that bad. I agree with you, man. And I would have been fine with the Jags get. I just look same. at right now. Look at right now, and you, you see what Doug Peterson's doing with Trevor. And by the way, I do think Trevor's more talented than Justin Fields. But what would, like, Doug Peterson be doing with Justin Fields? Right. Now, what, is their roster good enough? Uh, that's questionable, too, in spots. But they're also putting him in, like, I just don't think the greatest of positions. No, it's uh, it's a horrible position. And the, it, there's a lot there, and I don't get it, because he's way too talented to be missing throws the way that he is. I You got to I, – I don't understand fully why they're not 
all in on the guy. They traded up to get him, and then they've really done him no favors. And it, it's it, it's the feel of they're going to move on two years in, which is wild to me. I can't. He's I think he's so talented. I think well, he'd be Iberflus, a huge mistake. By the way, Iberflus took the job, man. You wouldn't take the job if you didn't believe in him. I know. And so if you took the job, then go put stuff around him. You know, I saw. I think I saw the Chicago Bears have a hundred million dollars in cap space. Uh, yeah, a hundred million dollars. Like we're in year two of Justin Fields. They should have spent that. Not all of it, but they should spend some of it. Yeah, you especially should not when have a hundred million dollars left in cap space. No, you shouldn't, especially when like okay, the problem like you say okay, offensive line. Well, I'm pretty sure Armstead was available, and he's a pretty good tackle. Right, you know, yeah. there's all the wide receivers were available except Allen Robinson because he didn't want to come back. But you know, you could have paid somebody with all that money. It's I don't I don't understand what's going on there fully. All right, we're gonna have to go quicker than that last one. We but are. That's a good conversation anyway. Titans Raiders. Uh, holy yikes, Raiders. Yeah, I'm going to repeat myself. The Raiders stink. They do. They really do. I don't know what it is either. That was a waste of an offseason. That's what I should have said. Colts beat the Chiefs 20-17. Come on, Chiefs! It's kind of going the same way. Colts still are not good. Agreed. Don't don't be fooled. Colts are not that good. Did you see Mahomes getting into it with uh, the enemy on the sideline? I did. Did you see? Actually, maybe bigger than that. Who was it? Uh, Shady McCoy? You yes. See his comment? Yes, I did. Wow. Now you're starting. Maybe. Now it's adding up. Does that answer some of the questions? Because if players are saying that about him, that's not a ringing endorsement. Yeah. Uh, Lions, Vikings. I like the Lions. I know they lost, but I like the Lions. I know. But like, they're lovable Lions and losers still. Like, you've got to win that game. You're up you two do. touchdowns, man. I know. Ravens, Patriots. Ravens are scary. Lamar is him. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I love really, stealing your life. It's a good one. Uh, he's going to get paid a lot of money, man. So much. All it's of amazing. it. amazing. And that's against Belichick. All of uh, it, by the way, is not enough for Lamar. Bengals and Jets. Uh, Joey Burr is back. I kind of stole mine, so I don't want to go there. All right, again. I'll give you another one. T. Higgins might be as good or better than Jamar Chase. Oh. Higgins that is good, almost man. sounds outlandish, but I was going to say, uh, sign me up for Sauce and Chase a couple of times a year would be good. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That'd be good. That's a good little battle there. Mm-hmm. And Gardner, Sauce Gardner played well. Uh, Eagles, Commanders. That's what the number one team in the power rankings looks like. <laughs> yeah. Not all, the Commanders. Get all the blowouts out of the way now, please. True. <laughs> Panthers, Saints. Just bad football. Oh, it's so bad. The Saints are not as good as I thought. No. Uh, Rams, Cardinals. Rams getting better. Cardinals, ugh. Cardinals paid too soon. Yeah. Falcons, Seahawks. <laughs> Falcons are sneaky okay if they could figure out how to win. Uh... Can you please throw it to Kyle Pitts more? <laughs> That's a good one. Especially in the end zone. Packers, Bucks. Neither team reaches NFC Championship. Bucks offense isn't that good, but they were missing like every wide receiver. Yeah, most of them. 49ers, Broncos. Ugly football. <laughs> I expected prettier than that from Jimmy G. Yep. Cowboys Giants. Shout out to NFL for putting two horrible games back to back in prime time. 
Cooper Rush oh, no. is pretty good. He's like, just good enough to get paid a lot of money by somebody in the offseason. Yeah, like he's pretty good. Like, and listen, C.D. Lamb screwed him. He should have been better. Then yes. C.D. Lamb helped him. Yeah. But, I mean, it, uh, Cooper Rush was 21 of 31, 215 touchdown. And, he, again, he should have been like 22 of 31, 26. I mean, he did pretty good. Yeah. did pretty good. Saquon Barkley, though, is, is bad. I, I wanted to go Saquon there, and I would still say – Ezekiel Elliott, the most overrated player in the NFL. Yeah, you hate him. I don't hate him, but the other guy's better. Tony Pollard is better, yeah. Like, how can you be like this elite back when the other guy in the room is better? Yeah, true. Yeah, I'll give you that. I think just off that, just the Giants, by the way, because we're not going to spend any more time on this, but the Giants are so confusing to me, right? You got Saquon, really good. And then you paid Kenny Galladay all that money. You don't throw it to him. He quits on the team. You come back. You throw it to him. He can't catch the ball. So cut him, right? And then, like, Kadarius Tony, nowhere to be found. Like, they do all these odd things. Daniel Jones makes plays. Like, I don't know the answers to these things. The Giants are so confusing because at times I'm like, they could be good. And then they do the stupid Giants stuff that they do all the time. And I'm like, oh, right, the Giants. Like, yeah. if I was – I can't imagine well, – I can because Jags fan – but, like, Giants fans have to be so mad because, like, you can see it at times. It's yeah, like, oh, can, and then it's closer. like, oh, my god, They're closer, but their offensive line is so bad. Right. And Daniel Jones is so inconsistent. Yeah. And, honestly, I think they need to feed Barkley, like, all the time, and they don't get it to him Again, enough. right, exactly. That's part of it, too. Like, run it all the time. Or, Throw or it screens. To him. I mean, yeah. him on a screen is, like, fun to watch. I think yes. he's, if you give him a screen, he's the most entertaining, that's the most entertaining play in football to me right now is if you give it to Saquon Barkley with a setup screen. Yeah. Because he is just, oh, man, he's so strong and fast, like he's explosive, just jumps off the TV at you, you know? Really does. Uh, which is, which is kind of cool. Um, but Pollard, man, Pollard is just better than Ezekiel Elliott. And I'm telling you this, I've told you this for two years, and I think the Cowboys have known it for two years. And I'm not saying Elliott is a bad player, but he is the most overrated player in the NFL. They don't need him. They really don't. Like, the Cowboys have problems at times over the last couple of years. Yes. And that's not one of them. Like, they don't need Ezekiel Elliott. They really don't. Let me, let me ask you this. Is there a situation in the near future where Dak's healthy and Ezekiel is healthy and the starting – the starting two are Cooper Rush and Tony Pollard. Could you I, see it? Nah, because I still like Dak, man. I think Dak's a pretty good player. But if he keeps winning, like if Cooper Rush keeps winning, again, the Giants, I, you know, you probably should beat the Giants. But, like, if he just keeps. playing Washington this week. The, you know, if he just keeps running off wins, what do you do? Like, and if you're McCarthy, you're, like, going to get fired either way. Yeah, but you, you, you get fired by playing Dak because he's got $40 million under his contract. True. You know? So, I mean, it's really not. Let Dak play bad, though. Let Dak play bad when he comes back. Yeah, it would be something. Like, if this guy rolls off a bunch of wins and then Dak, yeah. uh, could it be a Brady uh, <laughs> Brady Bledsoe situation? Mm -hmm. You know, it could have that feel. Uh, they'd have to win a lot more. And they have some good pieces, the Cowboys, again. They're not, like, elite, especially with Cooper Rush, but, uh, but they have some good pieces. They goofed right. up on Amari Cooper, by the way. Hey, you should have kept him, right? Yeah, because Gallup yeah. still hasn't played, and they paid. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was bad. And, and it would have just made CD Lamb that much better. Yeah. So, 
Um, all right, we take a break. Brent and friends on ESPN 690. We come back. We talk to a friend out in Tallahassee, Jeff Colhane, the voice of the Florida State Seminoles. Oh, this is a fun story. It's been a fun month for Florida State. And we're going to talk more about them, see what's up with that game coming up this weekend as well with Hurricane Ian. And uh, we'll continue to keep you posted on some of the schedule changes that are happening around sports in the area and the state. We'll be right back live from Devoli's House of Cards on ESPN 690. It's Benson returnable. Barhash, 10, 15, 20. Has blockers. 25 to the 30. Benson, 35, around the edge. 40, 50, 40. Skips the tackle. 30, 20, 15, 10. Can he get in? Try in the baby. Touchdown, Florida State. Touchdown, FSU. And that's a heck of a call by our buddy Jeff Colhane there, voice of the Florida State Seminoles. And, oh, what a start for the Seminoles. What a month of September. That's why I said, when's the last time the Knolls have had a month like this from recruiting the last couple of weeks and some of the big gets to on the field and being 4-0 and a sold-out dope, which was electric on Saturday night. It's probably been a good six or seven years. I think you probably have to go back to 2015 uh, without looking it up. Uh, let's bring in Jeff Colhane, the voice of the Florida State Seminoles right now, and Brent and friends on ESPN 690. We're live at the Bullies House of Cards in St. John's County. Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz, and Jeff. Hey, great call, man. What a way to kick off that game on Saturday night. Yeah, if you, if you need a little juice or a little caffeine uh, after a long day at the tailgate lot, Trey Benson <laughs> got it done for you to, to start the night. I mean, that's... That was certainly unexpected. That's why college football is beautiful, is you have to just expect the unexpected. And we've had a lot of that here in September with Florida State, with the way games have ended, the way games have begun, and Mike Norvell and company 4-0 and uh, riding high right now. Absolutely. Hey, listen, I can only anticipate and figure out what the vibe might be in Tallahassee right now. And as you walk around campus and talk to players and coaches and feel the student vibe a little bit, because we're experiencing it here in Jacksonville. Jaguars are 2-1. and one. They look good. They haven't won a lot, especially recently. And so you can feel it in town. Uh, is that kind of a similar sense in Tallahassee as you walk around, go to the grocery store, get ready for the hurricane, have some pizza, get a coffee, whatever it might be? Yeah, Brent, 100%. I mean, I was I took my family down to Alligator Point, and we went to the Alligator Point Tiki uh, Bar to grab some appetizers and a drink on Sunday afternoon around 4 o'clock. And there were Knowles fans down there talking about uh, the game and uh, just fired up about what they saw and what ACC play would hold in the next couple of weeks. It's a big three-week stretch for Florida State. We're going to find out a lot, you know, about – where this team is going to be come the bye week with Wake Forest this weekend here in Tallahassee. Then at NC State for a night game at Carter-Finley Stadium and Clemson comes to town, which I would imagine has a great chance to be a night game as well, depending on how Florida State plays in these next two. So there's a huge buzz. It's palpable. Obviously, Hurricane Ian has really uh, taken over the news cycle and the conversation piece, and rightly so with the safety of everyone around the state and the path of the storm and how it's going to affect everyone, where it's going to hit. But uh, people uh, excited and looking forward to another seminal game on Saturday afternoon. 
Jeff Colhane with his voice of the Florida State Seminoles. They're 4-0, and uh, they do host Wake Forest on Saturday. And Jeff, uh, give us the latest on that if you can. I just saw a quote from Dave Clawson, the Wake Forest coach, saying, hey, we'll wait on the ACC, but we're certainly not going to travel and put anybody in danger. I look at the forecast in the Tallahassee area, and I don't think it looks that bad, but there's a lot that goes into this. The state is going to be under this emergency, and, and almost everybody in the state is going to be affected, which therefore takes resources away from people that might work a football Football game from police to uh, emergency personnel sure. to others. So, uh, what are they saying on campus uh, in Tallahassee? Does this look like, at least for now, it's going to go on Saturday? Well, what I can tell you right now, and, and by no means am I the the official gatekeeper of if we're going to play or not, but as of right now, we're planning on playing. And there are going to be some things that are different, obviously, with some of the things going on around the stadium. Uh, you know, it's, it's obviously too bad that it's not normal weather and, and uh, just a normal week and a normal weekend, but that's how it is this time of year in the state of Florida because I think you would have another tremendous crowd uh, in, in hand and toe for this game on Saturday afternoon. So, you know, just the things that I've heard, Brent, and, and the, the things that, um, you know, have been discussed around here, obviously everything is being taken into account. I mean, with this storm and with this hurricane, and the destruction that it could cause potentially, um, you have to take everything into account, the safety of everyone, you know, around the state. And in trying to get, you know, people, as you talked about, uh, essential workers and, and folks uh, to Doe Campbell Stadium as much as you possibly can to, to have the event uh, the way you want it to be held. But as we sit here and talk today, uh, the plan is game on, 3.30, Saturday afternoon. Jeff Colhane with us here on ESPN 690. Brent and friends on a Tuesday. We're live from DeVillie's House of Cards in St. John's County. And uh, we will see about the game. We'll keep everybody posted on the game, but I think you just explained it really well. And good luck to your film. This is your first hurricane, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as, as a new guy in this part of the country, I'm used to uh, some cooler storms, I guess, is how I will put it. Um, but, yeah, my wife uh, obviously is uh, – is one that wanted to make sure our boys were safe, uh, as am I. And I went to a grocery store on Sunday morning to, to beef up on the essentials, and it felt like it was a scene out of Armageddon. So <laughs> God bless everybody at that employees at grocery stores and, you know, and home, you know, like uh, home uh, uh, warehouse places, office solution places, et cetera, uh, gas stations, uh, taking care of everybody and making sure that uh, everyone has what they need right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, let's talk more football, though. The Knowles are, are playing so well, and Jordan Travis is a huge part of it. Uh, what a story, a huge scare a couple of weeks ago. He yeah. comes back, and, I mean, all these numbers, the receiving core, if you look at, like, the pro football focus, college football numbers, I mean, are, are really strong right now for this offense, but especially what Jordan Travis has done. We talked about this before the season, Jeff. I mean, in the same offense for a third straight year, the respect that young man has. But I think now it's even elevated because – He's playing really good football. Uh, I think he hit on the head, Brent. I mean, to start with the wide receiver core, right now pro football focus has Florida State's receiver room as the number one rated group at that position in college football ahead of Ohio State. Who would have thought that before the season started? I mean, that was a position group of concern coming into fall camp of 2022 along with some questions along the offensive line and certainly some questions about Jordan Travis, as we discussed. And I tell you what, Everything you saw and everything you heard from Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins uh, has has come to fruition here from what Travis 
put on film in fall camp and practice and what we have seen from him in the first four games. And just his approach, Brent, last week, I think Tuesday there weren't a lot of people that thought he would play. And then just day by day, how he got himself ready for that game, physically and mentally, and he didn't know what he'd be able to do if he would be up to the challenge against the Boston College. And he was that, and then some with a career-high 321 yards passing, a career-high total offense in the game against B.C., and he's just been fantastic. And he's known before the season as the career rushing leader for a quarterback in Florida State football history. Now he's taking his game to another level where he's distributing the football to so many different players and so many different names in this Florida State receiving core. Four games, four different wide receivers that have led FSU in receiving yards in these four contests. So he's really seeing things pre-snap. Boston College came after him with a bevy of blitzes trying to get him on his heels and maybe put him in a tough spot and test that knee out. Not only did he see it, he eluded it at times, and he also delivered the ball on schedule and put receivers in great positions to make plays. Yeah, I think Jordan Travis is just—he's been incredible, and I, I said he was one of the most exciting players in the nation. He might be up there as the most exciting player to watch, at least for my money. Jeff, it's Casey, by the way. I want to ask you about this, Sam Hartman. I think the world of him coming into this game. I think he's a really good quarterback. At Perry. I don't know if you've watched film yet, Jeff. He's a certified problem for Wake Forest. He's a really good player. So my question for you is FSU's gone up against Louisville and LSU quarterbacks that move around a lot. This guy can move, but he's really going to be slinging it around. How do you anticipate FSU's DBs holding up against this attack? Yeah, Casey, it's the number one question, right? I mean, it's it's a quarterback in Sam Hartman who has gone through his own uh, his own sort of adversity and his medical scare, having surgery to remove a blood clot uh, in his shoulder back in early August. Forced him to miss, the, miss most of fall camp and miss a game. And uh, This is a guy that's one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football. I mean, he runs their offense so well. It's a unique-looking offense with that slow mesh uh, run, you know, RPO zone read that they will have in the backfield and that they utilize his vision of what's going on at the second and third level so well and so defensively you have to be so disciplined the second that you peek into the backfield you're toast with this receiving core and so you start with Hartman and his ability to to deliver the football and and push the ball down the field to this receiving core and like you said A.T. Perry is a huge problem I mean this is a guy that got after Florida State last year in a game where you know, FSU probably didn't watch a whole lot of the game film from that contest in Winston-Salem when they turned it over six times. And Wake Forest held a time of possession of nearly 2-1 to one in that 35-14 win. So it's going to be a massive challenge. You know, I go back to when you talk about receiving cores, I go back to LSU, and that was a big conversation piece leading up to the matchup at the Superdome with LSU's receivers led by uh, Keishon Booty, and uh, I thought Florida State's defensive secondary was up to the challenge. I think it's one of the top position groups on this team. You've got a ton of experience. You've got a ton of depth and a lot of talent back there. They will definitely be challenged in so many ways. Right now, leading the ACC in defensive passing yards allowed uh, per game right now in passing defense. So 
strength on strength in that category and a fun matchup to follow and watch for 60 minutes on Saturday. Yeah, that's a great point, by the way. Going back to that LSU game, now the biggest difference is the quarterbacks who are playing in this game versus maybe that LSU game, but it's still a, uh, uh, an astute point um, because the Knowles have been really good in that respect. Uh, hey, it's wide open in the ACC. That is one thing we know. We don't know who is the cream of the crop, but the Knowles get a chance to find out over these next few weeks just exactly where they sit, and they get to do it with a lot of confidence in two of those games at home at the Doak. I got this final question for you. Jeff Colhane, voice of the Florida State Seminoles, new to uh, the gig this year, doing a fantastic job. You can listen to him right here on ESPN 690. You know Florida State football, right? You know the logo, you know the program, you know the traditions, you know everything. When you got in that stadium and you felt it Saturday night, like the way it's supposed to be, there's been some lean years. But from afar, did it match up with what you thought it might feel like and, and be like uh, with an electricity in that stadium with all that tradition and history uh, in Tallahassee? Was it, was it like you thought? Yeah, yeah Brian, it, it exceeded my expectations. I mean, that, that opening kickoff was something I'll always remember, uh, never forget. I mean... From the greatest uh, pregame celebration and pregame moments with Osceola and Renegade with a, a full Doe Campbell Stadium to the crescendo of, of the crowd noise when Osceola plants the spear to when Trey Benson hit the 50-yard line and just the electricity flowing through that stadium uh, exceeded expectations in so many ways. And, you know, we've been lucky to be at, you know, some great places. You guys have been to Super Bowls and, uh, I've covered Super Bowls in Jacksonville, and you know I've been able to be at some, you know, some some big games, some big uh, stadiums and moments around college football throughout my career, and to see what that what that environment was, um, yeah, it, it was something that I'll never forget, and uh, was was curious about how it was going to feel, and I think even for this football team as well, you know, this is a, a team that hasn't felt that environment here in Tallahassee over the last how many years. And Mike Norvell and his coaching staff here at Florida State haven't had an atmosphere quite like that yet with COVID and, and some of the other things that have been just floating around the lack of the wins that they want to go out and try and, and get and remedy that situation they have here early on in 2022. But to answer your question, uh, it was amazing. Uh, truly one of the great atmospheres I've ever been a part of in all of sports. Well, hopefully you get it again throughout the rest of this season. Uh, this week maybe a little bit different because of the hurricane uh, knocking on our door in the state of Florida, but maybe in a few weeks against Clemson we get a similar type of sight at, uh, at Doak in Tallahassee. And you captured it well, man. Keep up the good work and, and stay undefeated, will you? Jeff Colhane, voice of the Florida State <laughs> football team. Uh, thanks for joining us. Hey, Brent Casey, always good to talk to you guys. and. Uh, all the best. Thinking of everybody out there that uh, is in the path of this storm, and uh, stay safe and uh, do whatever you can to to keep your loved ones safe as well. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, you too. Uh, that is Jeff Colhane. And by the way, as Jeff said, and right now the situation that game is still on for Saturday. The Gators game got moved to Sunday at noon, but Tallahassee and where they are situated probably not as affected and impacted by the storm as maybe a place like Gainesville and some of the central parts of the state. Uh, we'll see if the game still will be played. They still have time to make a move on that. Uh, and Wake Forest has their eyes on it. Florida State has their eyes on it. And, of course, the ACC has its eyes on it uh, as well. But uh, as of now, still on for Saturday, and you can listen to Jeff 
on the broadcast, play-by-play man of Florida State Seminoles, and off to a nice start here in the month of September uh, with the way the Knowles are playing. Fred and Friends rolls on from Du Bois House of Cards on ESPN 690 right after this. Oh, no. It's not good, Brent. We have problems. The red flags are up. Uh Uh-oh. For the United States men's national team, Brent. Have they pulled out of the World Cup yet? They should. This is bad. This is bad what happened today, all right? You remember the other day when I was yelling and screaming? Ho, ho, ho. We're about to yell and scream again for the next couple of minutes on Brent and Friends because there's a major problem afoot. Why? What's up? This team cannot win outside of the United States. Now, if this was 2026, I'd have great news for you. The World Cup would be in the United States. Mm. However, That'd be good. it's 2022, and the World Cup is not in the United States. And the U.S. in their final tune-up before the World Cup drew today to a team they should have beat in Saudi Arabia. 0-0. Everybody played. They could not score. I have some stats for you, Brent. They're not very good. They're actually very underwhelming, but I'm going to give them to you. In their last eight games outside of the United States, matches, if you will, they've scored two goals. That is an average of two goals every six hours. <laughs> or a goal every six hours, sorry. A goal every six hours. Yeah, 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 I can't, I can't do the math. They've given up nine goals, so the math is not math in there. Um, it, it is not good. The World Cup's in November. This is a team that's way too talented to be this bad, but if this is what they are, they will not make it out of the group and will be embarrassed again. But I, I cannot believe the turn of events. I can't believe they're this bad at this point in time. It's, it's unbelievably brutal. Well, it doesn't matter what they look like now as long as they get it right. But to your point, what you've told me before, uh, because you follow this so much closer, they really have to be careful that if they mess this up, then they're going to have to rip it up again. And when you rip it up again, you start back from zero. And uh, they already got a th- enough catching up to do. So yeah. I think they really want to be, well, sure, they want to be relevant this year, but they really want to be relevant by the time that cup comes to the United States, I would imagine. In 26, you know? yeah. I mean, and by the way, it sounds like the final of the World Cup in 26 will be at Jerry's World. That was reported today. Oh. So um, that'll have to play itself out. But, yeah, I mean, I think they'll not get, good. I, I got a feeling they'll get better, and it's so early still. But, I mean, it's getting late early too yeah i mean there's now there's a concern and gio reyna left 30 minutes into the game today so did his injury flare back up if you don't know gio reyna uh he's extremely important to this team so that's bad it's not a good sign and when christian pulisic was subbed off today uh he did not acknowledge his coach which is also a bad sign oh boy so things are not going well the only thing you have is a goalie right now who has never played in the World Cup, so you're putting all of that on, for what you will, for this level of competition, a rookie goalie. It's it's a scary thing, man. They're going to put it all on his shoulders like they have with Tim Howard. He's just not Tim Howard, man. I'm, I'm worried about it. I know nobody else is worried. We'll get to November, but I, I just hate it because I've talked about it enough on this show, and then people are going to be like, ah, see, Casey, nobody cares. And it's like, it's so annoying because they're too talented to be this bad. Yeah, well, they got two months to figure it out now, and talent usually will figure it out. Usually. We'll see. I think. I'm worried. Uh, we will worry together from the Bullies House of Cards here on a Tuesday. One more hour to go, and then it's overtime with Curtis and Middleton and the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp play after that. Two more games in their season, both on the road. So we'll bring it all for you here on ESPN 690. Brent and Friends rolls on football at 5. The Jags are working out kickers. Why? Huh? I'm confused. Me too. We talk about it. A lot of Next on ESPN 690.